0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 214 of At Oz With Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Joe, but I hear we have to start things off with an apology tour from you.
0: Uh, well, I was going to say I was hoping that you would start with your apology tour of trying to bully uh, Todd into buying a useless uh, prototype. All right.
1: First of all, everybody knows <laughs> the prototypes aren't useless, and we'll get into that during weekly purchases. Oh.
0: okay uh so it's 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 more of a corrections sort of thing right um so uh last week prompted by one of the calls a friend of the show longtime friend of mine tom green called in and he just kind of like poked me with a stick in regards to the whole iwtv uh fight plus deal right Mm -hmm. uh so you know i said all the stuff that i knew the stuff that i was told by multiple sources and it was one of those things that like I couldn't vet during the show because we were doing the show and there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to text Jerry right now or I'm going to text Mantis right now or I'm going to text this one right now and they never get back to me, right? Especially when we're doing the show. Yeah. Now, I will say when all this stuff was going on earlier in the week, I did text Jerry and he did not reply to me. But it wasn't like me in an official capacity of someone on the podcast saying like, well, this is going to come up on the podcast this week. I want an official statement from you, you know?
1: Yeah, you didn't have the hat with the little like, sign that says press on the top.
0: Yeah, mine says pull actually, but <laughs> either way. Um so up uh, so then uh Friday morning Tom goes and like signal boosts it. A bunch of other people signal boost it. Then I'm getting messages in my DMs from people and it's like oh where's the time code on it? So now I gotta go pull the time code. Like we got a bunch of people it's like, hey, we've been doing this show for, like, 215 episodes or whatever the hell it is. And I have, like, friends of mine I'm like, oh, you do a wrestling podcast? And I'm like, oh, thanks, pal. Um, <laughs> well, that's on you. <laughs> that is on me. So I did get texts from Jerry. Uh, I was going to say an unnamed person at IWTV, but who the fuck we kidding, right? <laughs> uh, so just to clear things up, okay? Um, no one uh, who streams their shows on IWTV gets paid below 10 cents, okay? Uh, everyone gets paid the same, 30 cents an hour, plus bonuses for hours watched in a specific month, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now, obviously, that's VOD. If it's live, it's a little bit more than 30 cents. He didn't say how much. Now, where there was a little unclarity in regards to how some people were coming to me and saying they were only getting like 10 cents and 7 cents. Another um, thing is, Jerry did mention if you hire the IWTV Mark crew to do production and then you don't pay them up front, then they take that out of whatever your thing is for the month, right? Makes sense. Um, And then there are different milestones. He didn't tell me what those milestones were, but that's ways that you can get above that 30 cents for the month, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, we had mentioned on the show last week in regards to Circle Six, who had a banner week um, (laughs) of publicity, you know, um, their fancy catering that they have, and you know, just because you were the fourth man in a three in a four person squash on an episode of AEW Dark with the Big Show, nobody could tell you shit about the wrestling business. Um, I could tell you that you look like shit and you're a coward and you covered up your straight edge tattoos for some reason, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so uh, I mentioned a Jer- he had heard the thing about me saying that Circle Six is going on fight, okay? um so apparently and again i don't know how this works apparently there's a difference between fight and fight plus apparently they're two different companies even though when i go to fight.com it takes it says do you want to sign up for fight plus i don't know um but jerry assured me that circle six is not going to be on fight plus but when i go to circle six's social media And Fight.com, they have a show on the schedule
1: for two weeks from now. Yeah, I'm very... uh, It's just because I'm an old... Like, Uh I thought that's what it was. Like, I'm very confused by Fight versus Fight Plus, you know?
0: Right, and that's... The way that Jerry was texting me was he made it seem like it's two separate companies. I don't understand how that makes any sense, but apparently I'm getting that all out of the way. Um... Still, this was the week where a bunch more people made the announcements that they were going, um, you know, whether they were leaving IWTV and going to Fight Plus for the $5 a month. uh, GCW making the official announcement that they're part of the $5 a month thing for all their shows and their back catalog, which we'll get to momentarily. But then there were a bunch of people that came forward and said, hey, we're sticking with IWTV. We like the deal that we have. And, you know, I say definitely support them. Um, You know, obviously $5 a month to get some of the higher-end guys, uh, $9 a month to get everyone else. If you don't like WWE, you don't like AEW, um, you like the indies, and again, I don't know my gazintas, you pay for a year, it's cheaper, but... That's $14 a month to get pretty much every show. Now, I'll say this. For both companies, Fight Plus and IWTV, they really need to stop streaming multiple shows head-to-head-to-head against each other. Like, when you go on to Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium and at 8 o'clock Eastern time on a Friday night, I shouldn't have to choose between three different shows because now you're fucking those other two companies, right?
1: But isn't that really just the fault of the... I mean, not really the fault, but, I mean, there's only so many days a week that wrestling runs i mean everybody runs on friday nights or saturday nights or saturday afternoons right it's, it's not like oh hey you know uh fucking aiw we need you to run on a tuesday because GCW's on a friday you guys all need to work together to figure that's that gonna, shit out that's not gonna happen okay no. well then this is gonna this is gonna be a
0: bust right um so gcw um some people were tooling around including myself around the fight plus side of things to see what was up there from the past catalog of gcw uh there's only one show up there that i have commentary on um if more shows that i did commentary on there might be a funny joke i do on social media yucca yucca (laughs) um but that being said there's, like, other shows that are on there that I'm not really sure how they get to be part of GCW's library. Like, uh, remember the the infamous, like, Mania Weekend of the White Eagle Hall? Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, every show that ran that weekend is part of GCW on Fight Plus. And that includes the uh, Chikara show that ran. Uh, that includes the IWTV uh, family reunion show. Uh, that includes the Blackcraft show. They're, they're part of GCW's back catalog on Fight Plus. I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, <laughs> hopefully everyone who tuned in from last week to this week hears that. And I don't know, does something about it, you know?
1: And that that's the weekend that had the Orange Cassidy show, too.
0: Yeah, right? and the Orange Cassidy show is up under the GCW banner. And I get that. Like That was more or less a, a show that Brett took over when uh, it got found out that Mike King, who runs Nova Pro, um, was a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there might have been one person on, w- at least one person on that show that I had to go and fight for months to get them paid for that show. But that's neither here nor there. That's on them. They should be able to fight for themselves. But never let it be said, I don't fight for the uh, little guy or the <clears throat> big guy. Um, but I think that covers everything. I don't think I've dug any new holes for myself, have I? <laughs>
1: I'm not the one to ask, but I'm sure somebody will correct you. Okay. So
0: if anyone comes and asks for information, you just tell them it's right at the beginning of the show. There
1: you go. Timestamp zero, 00.
0: There you go. So let's get into the real meat of the show, huh? All right.
1: And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History.
0: Hey, this day in wrestling history, it's a light one, but we're going to get into it. You know, I could stretch these things out forever, you know?
1: No, I think we're going to have a nice short show today, so.
0: Well, listen, as long as we're under three, I think that's all that matters, you know? (laughs)
1: Yep, yep.
0: Uh, So, uh, this day wrestling history in 1990. uh, If you remember from a couple weeks ago, we talked about the episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, uh, where they did the deal with DiBiase, Dusty, and Dustin Rhodes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, where du- uh, DiBiase comes in, buys the entire row, when Dusty is fighting Macho Man in an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, they start beating up Dustin, causes Dusty to get distracted, and so forth. Um, so it led to uh, a match on an episode of Superstars that happened, you know, 32 years ago today, uh, where Dustin Rhodes, who as far as we knew was just a fan... Um, you know, obviously we didn't know what a, a, as a WWE watcher, all he had to do was last 10 minutes with Ted DiBiase, right? Yep. Um, that match is up that entire like segment. It's a match, but it's like an opening, middle-end thing. Um, that entire thing is up on um, you know, YouTube specifically on front of the show Monsoon Classics YouTube page. Uh, very similar to that match that Jericho had uh in the early days of Dynamite with uh, Jungle Boy Where it was like Jungle Boy didn't have to win, he just had to last the time of the match. Okay. Uh, If you remember that match from a couple years ago on AEW TV, this match is what inspired that match.
1: Okay, fair enough. Which one is uh, DiBiase and which one's Jungle Boy in that?
0: Uh, (laughs) Jericho Jericho is Debussy. (laughs) and uh, Jungle Boy is uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes.
1: I I realized that was a stupid question after I asked it, because obviously one of them is the one who asked the last. I was just drawing comparisons to content of character, you know? For sure. (laughs) Uh,
0: So the only other thing on this day in wrestling history is the head-to-head Raw and Nitro in 1997. Uh, So it's interesting to see where kind of things go here, both. Shows are running in the Pennsylvania area. Nitro's in Philly at the Spectrum. Raw is in Hershey at the Hershey Park Arena, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Nitro, uh, somebody joked online and said that this episode of Nitro from 1997 had more of the 1996 ECW roster than 1997 ECW did. <laughs> Uh, Some of the notable things on the show um, is this is Saturn beating uh, Disco Inferno for the TV title.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, I remember that being a really good match. Uh, This is Chris Jericho getting a fluke win uh, over Scott Hall. Now, we had not been mentioning it, but for weeks on uh, uh, Nitro, uh, Scott Hall had been intimidating referees, bullying referees, and Larry Zabisco was the only one that was standing up for them. Um, this was Jericho, uh, you know, getting that advantage, getting the distraction from Larry Zabisco, getting the fluke win on Scott Hall that everyone, like, is like, oh, man, Scott Hall, big deal. You know, Jericho was, like, relatively new in the company. This this win did nothing for Jericho, and it's, like, still disputed to this day whether it did or did not.
1: And this is um, still before, like, his cruiserweight rawness yeah yeah we're still
0: uh at least uh another two months away from that happening okay uh so also on this show um no hogan no bischoff but bischoff calls in because the previous week on raw um to hype up a survivor series special that was going to air on the usa network uh, Vince says that uh, one of the matches that was going to be on there was Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan from the 1991 Survivor Series. And Vince says, get a chance to see Hogan in his prime, not like he is today. <laughs> so that puts a burr under the saddle of Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff calls in to run Vince down for that. And, that's, and says that next week on Nitro, he's going to have a big
1: surprise. Oh. Now... Also- also, I just say, uh, who knew, you know, back then that Bischoff might have been the the like more decent person out of the two? You know, Bischoff versus McMahon.
3: <laughs> nah! I mean, you I... know,
1: um, I'd still... It's like, I'd say it's it's a split them, you know? I'd say 60-40 uh, of Vince being more of a scumbag. Nah, i say it's
0: like 49-51, but okay. <laughs> um, Now, over on uh, Monday Night Raw... Um, again, Bischoff says next week on Nitro is going to have a big surprise. Uh, Over on Monday Night Raw, uh, the go-home show for Survivor Series. Um, Two of the big matches on Survivor Series is going to be uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, taking on Owen Hart for the uh, Intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the World Wrestling Entertainment title, Shawn Michaels versus Bret the Hitman Hart. All right. Again, this is the go home show for Survivor Series. Brett's not on the show. Owen's not on the show. Stone Cold's not on the show.
1: You know who was on the show? Shawn Michaels. Someone who always shows up. Not Shawn phoning, Michaels was yeah. on the show. Now, we. Not phoning we do, it in like Brett.
0: Right. We do get the debut of Steve Blackman on this show. Uh, Steve Blackman is a fan who jumps out of the crowd to, like, beat up the Heart Foundation.
1: Okay. Live every Dream.
0: And then he's just like part of the Survivor Series team this Sunday.
1: Gotcha. And isn't this the Monday Night Raw where uh, DX is? They have like the windshield wipers on their their masks against Slaughter.
0: Yep, for sure. This is one of your favorite moments in uh, Monday Night Raw history. It is. Uh, but again, such a weird thing. Like it's the go home show for a pay per view, and like four of the like three of the four principles in your two marquee matchups are just not on the show.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, as long as they have Shawn Michaels, they were able to sell tickets.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: Yeah, it sure is.
0: (laughs) Uh, We'll see how all that pans out. I'm sure nothing happens on next week's Nitros and Raw that we would have a lot to talk about, right?
1: (laughs) No, not at all. Again, get ready for a four-hour show next week, maybe.
0: (laughs) But that's it. That's all I got for uh, this day in wrestling history.
1: All right. Nice nice short segment. I like it. Sorry. Sorry, whoever is out there that loves this day in history, you know? And
0: it wasn't a lot. You know, I threw, the, yeah. I threw the Dustin Debussy thing in at the last minute, you know?
1: Yeah, just padding it out unnecessarily, I see. Yeah. Wow. All right. I guess we'll get into uh, this week's discussion then, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to just start things off really lightly, and I'm going to say that, Joe, we have a conspiracy on our hands— I might even say it's a major conspiracy because I was watching Ed Cody's favorite wrestling show last week, Impact.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say sleazy handheld Japanese indie.
1: (laughs) No, no. Not his old favorite thing. His new favorite thing. And as everybody should do, I was fast forwarding to get to the major players segment and I saw something that shocked me to the core, Joe. Shocked me. And that is the fact that Broski... Matthew Cardona is wearing a purple leather jacket again. And then I, I turn on NWA TV. That's a lie. I saw still photos and he's wearing it again. I bought that jacket, Joe. What happened? Did he buy another one? Does he, does he have a closet full of them? Is he like Todd where he just has like one outfit and he just wears multiples? Like, did he find more in the garage or under the couch cushion? Did I get worked Joe? Joe, I feel like I want answers about this. Like, I I honestly don't even know where to go from here. Is, I don't remember, is the purple one that you bought uh, got
0: fleeced for? (laughs) Does that have, like, studs on it? Like, it has spikes on the shoulders and stuff, or no?
1: No, no, that was his, like, super F-E one. That was kind of more pinkish. Uh, this, This one, as Alex Shelley pointed out on Impact, is more of a plum. Oh, okay.
0: Not an amethyst color? <laughs>
1: no, I, I don't even know what that is.
0: My fr- my first car was amethyst color. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, listen, it was a showroom it was a year old showroom that had 12 miles on it. I got a nice deal on it. Anyway, um <laughs> yeah, you absolutely got worked. If you what? you make any transaction directly with Broski, um you are um you are the mark that he so lovingly wink uh talks about, you know?
1: I'm beginning to think I shouldn't have bought all those Funko pop, those loose Funko pops from him for a thousand dollars this week either.
0: <laughs> I think what you need to do is you need to go on the Whatnot stream and buy him signing, signing random unaffiliated Funko pops.
1: Oh, uh, Okay, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 going to show him. You know.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, yeah I, I just figured that's obviously the top story coming out of this week. That like, who knows what's true anymore? You know, can't sure. trust anybody.
0: Right. Speaking of not being able to trust uh, anyone, uh, my top story was, in a backstage segment, uh, L.A. Knight was prepared to make the correction that we all know needs to be made from his SmackDown debut as L.A. Knight, where the ring announcer said that he's from Hagersville, Maryland, which does not exist. (laughs) He was interrupted by that no-good crumb-bum ricochet. Now I'm not, I'm torn whether or not I want them to acknowledge that the uh, Hollywood multi-million dollar megastar hails from the crap town of Hagerstown, Maryland, or that it becomes a bit that they keep getting it wrong and he never gets a chance to correct them. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure uh, where I am with that, but I really I really just hope it continues to be. Um, a thing, World Wrestling Entertainment, writing staff, I got a 13-week treatment if you're interested.
3: <laughs>
1: drop me a line. Joe, how long are we going to uh, let's just keep saying uh, I'm not going to say bit, but how long do you think your love of uh, Mr. Hagerstown is going to last? Um, uh,
0: TBD, how about that? Yeah, listen. I got. I got. I may have someone going to do some reconnaissance work in Hagerstown, Maryland, in about two weeks. So,
1: <laughs> okay, man on the streets.
0: gonna beat the feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: All right, Joe. Speaking of doing reconnaissance work, uh, you did uh, some in-depth analysis last week. Maybe had a couple omissions, some oversights of the IWTV slash Fight Plus situation. So, I took it upon myself to do a journalism of my own. Oh. And it's into something that I know a lot of people have been talking about and that is the world of wrestling only fans accounts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first question is in regards to the WWE uh, in the past, you know how they've always like tried to shut down Twitch streams and like YouTube shows and outside projects. So the first thing that came to my mind is how do they feel like? Where do they fall regarding OnlyFans accounts? Like you would think that that would be the first thing that they would shut down. So there was a lot of rumors last week, and who knows what happens tomorrow or in the coming weeks. But there was rumors that poor Chelsea, Chelsea Green, was going to be returning to the WWE. So I did a research, did a journalism, and I looked to see if her OnlyFans was still up. I did not subscribe. Uh, but her OnlyFans was updated as of November 1st. So two days ago, as of this recording, she still is contributing to her OnlyFans. So has she signed or then do they not care anymore? So that led me to think, okay... She's just a rumor. Let's look into somebody else who has a similar site and has actually signed. So I looked into Emma, a.k.a. Tenille Dashwood, and she doesn't have an OnlyFans, but she has like one of the, uh, a thing called Brand Army, which is like the same thing as OnlyFans, but it's just doesn't have the connotations that OnlyFans does, which I think sure. might whatever. So she signed uh, who knows when. And she was on SmackDown this past Friday, the 28th right. of October. As of November 3rd today, she is still uploading content to the brand army website. So it, what I want to know, maybe Bix can get on this. Cause I feel like somebody needs to dig deeper is, are they allowed to post that content? Cause it's not technically porn. They're only doing like bikini things. Uh, or is it something where it's like, okay, I will re if you let me have this allowance? You know what I'm saying? But Joe, I wanted to dig even deeper. And okay. I wanted, I, I'm sorry? Okay. And I wanted to get into other OnlyFans news and quite possibly the biggest OnlyFans story that has broke in the past couple months. And that is the fact that the face of women's wrestling. The face? The face. Tay Mello launched her only fans on October 22nd for the low, low price of20 dollars a month. Now I am told that this is high for an only fans, uh, But since then, she has posted a total of 14 pictures in one video, and the video is an additional cost. So if you wanted to see all 14 of those pictures, you would have paid $40 plus tax already. I do not know the price of the uh, the pay-per-view video. I will look into that. But I dug a little deeper, Joe. And I opened up an incognito browser, and I fought an army of pop-ups and redirects, and I was able to view the pictures. And okay. I, will say, I will say that there's nothing of note there that you wouldn't have already seen on Instagram. So I might even go so far as to say that uh, the face of women's wrestling is uh, quite possibly – I don't want to say defrauding her fans, but maybe uh, fleecing them. Uh, maybe we're easy tar. I mean, they're easy targets. Uh, I will continue to monitor this situation going forward, of course, and I'm going to need you to approve an expense report.
0: Well, that I can't help you with. Um, I thought where you were going was um, you mentioned about the twenty dollars. Um, as is my under, I thought where you were going was the Mandy Rose uh, OnlyFans thing, right? Mm -hmm. And they say it's OnlyFans, but I think, like, OnlyFans is, like, your catch-all for these sort of things, right?
1: Yeah, like, for example, uh, Billie Kay, uh, I hear, has, like, something else, but it's just through her website. But people say she has OnlyFans.
0: Yeah, so this is through um, Mandy Rose's website. It's powered by something uh, called Fantime, okay? Sounds legit. And it's a $20 uh, a month subscription thing. And, again, I think if you're a high-end person... You know, you could do that, right? But then you could tip Mandy Rose, and apparently, um, for the uh, price of $35, <laughs> uh, she will give you a rating on uh, your genitalia. Oh. I thought that's what your story was going to be this week.
1: I This is news to me. Okay. <laughs> this would have been. like I feel like I, I I definitely missed out on an opportunity there, but I'm yes. glad you filled it in. Well, listen, like you, said- you,
0: you, you do a journalism, I have these things rattling around in my head, you know?
1: Yep, there you go. Okay. Like I said, I'll continue to uh, look into these things. I have a whole team on this as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing
1: from this week to talk about, um, the uh,
0: Sami Zayn bloodline segment that opened up SmackDown this week.
1: Oh, so good.
0: Uh, Sami getting everyone to crack and break character. Um, and they're, like, they can't even hide it anymore. I can't imagine... Like them getting scripted promos at this point, I assume they get bullet points. It's like Roman's gonna yell at Jay, Jay's gonna say this, Sammy's gonna make some sort of remark, and then we're gonna transition to this. Because if this stuff is scripted and they have a heads up that Sammy's gonna say the stuff that he is, um, that's just crazy, right?
1: Yeah, like it, it wouldn't have been a natural reaction. You know, they wouldn't have been breaking up that that badly if they knew it was coming.
0: Right, so this was on my list to begin with, but I've had quite the week. Um, today, I had to cut out real quick because there was a uh, suspicion of a gas leak at my kid's school. Oh,
1: shit.
0: Uh, so they evacuated the school, and they, had, like, th- they gave the parents, like, 15 minutes notice, like, come get your kids, right? Okay. And I live close to where my kid goes to school. I pull up. All the kids are outside. And it's a madhouse, right? It's uh, fourth and fifth grade. It's five- classes of each grade and just all the kids are outside the building. Um, you know, the the, the principals and the teachers and everyone else is trying to contact parents, get notice out to come get your kids and so on and so forth. And I'm walking looking for my kid and I see a kid wearing a Roman Reigns shirt. Okay. (laughs) So I point at him and I go, Roman Reigns. (laughs) And he goes, Hey I go, Sammy Zayn's the best. And he gets a look on his face. The kid's probably like ten or eleven. (laughs)
3: <laughs> right
0: and he goes i hate Sami Zayn. i go what i go you hate Sami Zayn? i go he's the best member of the bloodline he goes he's not a member of the bloodline i go he's an honorary Ooze. of course he is <laughs> look
1: at you freaking getting in a fight with an 11 year old
0: yeah he might have been 10 but 11 year old <laughs> um but i do that anytime i see like in like normal situations i see like a kid or something wearing a wrestling shirt like when i wear a stupid shirt i'm doing it because i'm like I like this thing. I'm wearing a billboard on my chest to say, hey, if you like this dumb thing too, come over and talk to me, right?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, And this kid, he wore that shirt because he likes Roman. You know, I don't know how many kids in his school like wrestling. You know, the Halloween parade. Um, There was one kid dressed as Freddy Krueger with the neck flaps tucked out. I don't think he's a Doug Gilbert fan. (laughs) Um, But there was no, like, wrestling representation. So, you know, I just thought it was funny to mess with that kid about Sami Zayn.
1: Yeah, I mean, you do have to encourage wrestling fans at a young age. Like, I've talked about a lot of times uh, my buddy's kid. I, he's the one that, uh, like, I buy him wrestling figures. And, like, he came to the last, uh, the Steel Stack show. Yeah, okay? yeah. So I was talking to uh, his dad. My buddy, we were watching the Yankee game uh, last week or the week before. And he's like, hey, Julian, uh, we're getting way behind on on AEW. Julian just doesn't want to watch wrestling anymore. <gasps> And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, he even asked his mom. He's like, M- uh, Mom, will you make sure that people don't buy me wrestling figures for Christmas. Aww. And I was so, like, disheartened and sad. But, like, I kind of want to go to him and be like, yo, I'm going to tell Eddie Kingston you won't watch wrestling and see if that scares him back straight.
0: and <laughs> scare you back straight. You're a 30-plus-year-old you know, <laughs> man.
1: I know. Like I was thinking, like, do I – but then I might, like, traumatize the kid. Like, yeah. He's going to be checking under his bed for Eddie Kingston at night. (laughs) Anyways.
0: Anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, I have a feeling that uh, I know what your main event is going to be. You do? Oh, I might. (laughs)
0: To wait for it to kick in. I play the whole song. I don't know if you can hear me, over. I didn't cut it down low.
3: So we're just going to stop
0: it it there. (laughs) Uh, So, I mentioned I had a busy week, a lot of running around. I didn't get a chance to watch uh, AEW Live. I was going to text. Usually, when something big happens on, on AEW, I get a text from DJ. Uh, from We Need Wrestling, and he's just like, "Hey," and I was gonna send him a text ahead of time, just saying, like, "Hey, man, I'm not gonna be watching live. I'm gonna be running around, you know." Mm-hmm. So he sends me a text, and it's just all exclamation points. <laughs> and I go, "Hey, man, I'm not watching live." And he goes, "Okay, you really need to avoid spoilers, and like, you really need to watch like the opening segment on 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 Dynamite, right?" I'm like, "All right." I'm like, getting my kid from piano. I'm picking him up dinner. And then I get a message from someone else that just says, Double J just came out in AI and on AEW. And I'm like, God damn it! Like, I didn't want it spoiled, but I'm like, oh my god! This is the best! Uh, so yes, Jeff Jarrett is in AEW. He got the all-elite graphic. Uh, but most importantly, uh, he is currently the Director of Business Development. Okay? Sure. Now... Uh, I know everyone says all these things. That ever, like Apparently it's very polarizing in regards to people's feelings and in regards to Double J, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I just assumed everyone loves Double J, like I do. <laughs> um, I'm always shocked to find out there's people that don't like Jeff Jarrett, okay? Uh-huh. And listen, I went through a period of my life. Uh, I was maybe like about a six or seven month period, and I can't blame Jeff for this. And this is just that was my whole thing. It's like okay, if you're you're involved in a feud with Raven, I, I don't think wrestling's a work anymore, and I, I kind of like work myself into a shoot, and I think this is real, right? Sure. Um, I don't li- I didn't like how the um uh the the Raven Jeff Jarrett NWA title program went in TNA. Uh, I found out afterwards there was legitimate reasons for it. I wasn't still wasn't happy about it. Um. You know, I get both sides. I'm a bigger J- raven guy, but obviously Jarrett's, you know, got the longevity in regards to these sort of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone, like, I-, I loved all the tweets of people saying, it's like, just plug Jeff Jarrett into all CM Punk's programs and everything's <laughs> solved, you know? Um, and again, obviously, on TV, you're getting things set up to do, hopefully at the pay-per-view that I'm going to in two weeks, uh, some sort of combination of, like, Jarrett and Jay Lethal uh, against Darby and Sting, right? you're gonna We're going to get Jeff Jarrett and Sting in AEW, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get to hear my world. I hope it's the spooky <laughs> version. I'm going to get to see Double J wrestle for the first time in, like, forever. It's going to be awesome, right? Uh-huh. And as you get older, okay, you realize there's two types of wrestling fans. There's fans that like Jeff Jarrett, and there's... And then there's people who don't understand how business works. Okay? And I'm not saying the business, because the business, when it comes to wrestling, it's bullshit, right? Wrestling is carny. Wrestling is a joke. Wrestling is uh, fucking orange muscle heads selling multiple purple jackets to goofs online, right? (laughs) But if you could somehow convince legitimate businesses to get involved with this carny business that is professional wrestling, that I think maybe you're a step above everyone else, right? And listen, everyone can say it's like, oh, Jeff Jarrett got the second life because Bruce making fun of him on TV, okay? Or making fun of him on the podcast. And you could say all the other things, LOL, TNA, right? Let's go through Jeff Jarrett. And I'm not going to say the whole thing. It's like, oh, he's been in every single promotion. He's done these sort of things. Okay. When he was involved in TNA, he got the NFL involved, he got NASCAR involved, he got Fox Sports and the Best Damn Sports Show involved, he got Spike TV involved, he got Spike TV to get them to a two-hour deal, he got Spike TV to pay for the contracts of Hulk Hogan and Sting and all these other people, he convinced Panda Energy to sink millions of dollars into TNA, right? He convinced all these minor league baseball teams, and I don't think there's like a like it, minor league baseball is not the same way as like the like MLB, where like it's all these like little individual fiefdoms, and in, of course,
1: yeah, it's it's a, more of a mom and pop operation,
0: right? Real. So he convinced multiple baseball minor league baseball franchises to get involved with professional wrestling, right? And he was in charge of live events when WWE was just getting back from the pandemic and running live shows again, they were canceling live events and then they hired Jarrett and Jarrett turned the ship around, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing. And, and listen, I'm the first one to say, Jeff Jarrett, get that bag. Jeff Jarrett always gets the money. Jeff Jarrett always wins. And listen, Jeff Jarrett always does win, but there's one thing. If he's this corny, he sucks. He's a scumbag. He's this. Oh, and I forgot if it wasn't for Jeff Jarrett, Convincing New Japan to use Jim Ross on their commentary, whatever your opinion of Jim Ross is, right? He convinces New Japan to use Jim Ross as their commentary on the American thing. That gets New Japan the deal on Access TV, which gets New Japan on a huge market in the wor- in the United States, which it had never had before. That was Jeff Jarrett. Okay, so yeah, and I
1: I, I would have never watched New Japan if it wasn't on Access. You know, when I started getting into it.
0: So if you're a fan of AJ Styles era Bullet Club New Japan to now, you need to send Jeff Jarrett a thank you card, because it was him who brokered that deal, right? And he was a Bullet Club member, too. And the, the last time the Bullet Club was cool was when <laughs> Jeff Jarrett was in it. So that's, like, I'm forgetting other deals that Jarrett has brokered in the world of professional wrestling. And listen, if he was this carny scumbag like everyone claims that he is, which he's not, do you think... They would have figured it out after the first time, the second time, the third time, the 20th time? No, because what Jeff Jarrett does is, he doesn't just make himself money, he makes the people that he works with money. He made the he made NASCAR money when they did the stuff with TNA. He made the NFL get some prominence. Obviously, it was very self-serving for himself, but these people all got something out of these deals with Jeff Jarrett and aew is not hiring jeff jarrett to like come in and win their title and like oh well now the bucks and kenny can't come in because we have jeff jarrett now No, jeff's gonna be on tv for maybe a month he might pop up as a special character every now and then he's gonna get a box set of double j figures throughout the years which we're going to see before i get my fucking zombie sailor fucking retro right
3: Absolutely.
0: But Jeff Jarrett's going to be the one that's going to help them branch out and get new markets. Jeff Jarrett's going to help them get into some of those buildings that, listen, maybe when he was working for the WWE over the summer, he just, like, lifted their plans on how to run live events correctly and is now giving it to AEW. I'm not saying that that's not above Jeff Jarrett, but it absolutely would. And the other thing I'll mention is we talk about 1997 wrestling all the time because Raw's and Nitro line up with when we record. You know, we're talking 25 years ago. There's two guys from that era that are still in active roles in professional wrestling. One is Jarrett, the other is Sting, okay? And Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn, okay? So, Billy Gunn notwithstanding, Jarrett and Sting, whatever your opinion of them are, they found Jesus, they cleaned their lives up, they got better with their family, but most importantly, they make everyone else money. When you see that Jungle Boy and MJF and Britt Baker are doing a three day convention signing at a comic book convention in Rhode Island. That's because of Sting. Sting and his agent is the one that brokered all of those deals for the AEW people. Okay. When Jarrett does what he has done, he makes money and more money for the other wrestlers, he makes his own money. But everybody else gets a cut, too. It's not like Jarrett's keeping all the money, except for that one time when he held Vince up at gunpoint and made him pay him off the door before he would drop the Intercontinental title to China. But time is going to tell. And listen, if it comes out that Jeff Jarrett causes AEW to fold in six months, I'll come on the show and say, (laughs) hey, man, I was wrong. I fucked up. Jeff Jarrett sucks, right? But I got a real good feeling that ain't going to happen. But I also got a real good feeling that none of you people that hate Jeff Jarrett are going to change your tune, look at what your favorite wrestler says about Jeff Jarrett. They love Jeff Jarrett. And why do they love Jeff Jarrett? Because he knows how to make money in the world of professional wrestling. And if a little bit of what Jeff does can rub off on your favorite wrestler, that's why your, wrestler res- your favorite wrestler wrestles. He doesn't do it for the love of the game. He doesn't do it for the dream matches. He doesn't do it for the roar of the crowd. He does it. For the He or she does it for the money. and Jeff Jarrett is the king at making money in professional wrestling. All hail the king, the king of the mountain, planet Jarrett. I'm going to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle live in
1: two weeks. <laughs> uh, just a quick aside uh, on this past episode of Porch Talk, uh, Todd <coughs> asked me, how because I think he was trying to formulate a tweet and he asked me how do you spell Jeff Jarrett? What? So I of course went J-E Double F J A Double R E Double T. That's double J, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh I will say, uh, I I agree with everything you said about Jeff Jarrett. I thank am you. not Uh, a huge Jarrett fan like you and a lot of the people in our circle, but I agree with everything you said. I'm not somebody that will roll his eyes when I see Jeff Jarrett because I don't think, you know, I don't think he he hurts the television product. Uh, But I will say, regarding that segment, the actual match where he debuted, you know, Darby versus... Uh Jay, Jay lethal. lethal, yeah. So I I just want to say when they revealed who the fake Sting was, yeah. I was like, "All right. I hate AEW. I hate wrestling. I hate television. <laughs> I hate everything because this was the biggest letdown on the planet." And then when Jarrett shows up in his like GCW like I'm a heel outfit, I was like, "All right, everything's right with the world. I like this."
0: <laughs> I'm going to throw one last one in there about the praise for Jeff Jarrett, right? Yeah. Everyone loves Effie, right? Uh, Effie's the best. Uh, Effie is daddy. Effie is whatever, right? What's the most memorable thing that Effie has done in his career? Is it his matches with Schlack? Is it a match with Nick Gage? Is it a tag match as part of Bussy? No. You know what? The most, to this day, some 11 months on, the thing that Effie is most known for is being made to look a fool by Jeff Jarrett.
1: <laughs> I'll take your word on that. I'm only familiar with Super Effie. Okay.
0: And that's the thing. Like, outside of you, who's, a, like, a Brosky apologist, <laughs> uh, you know, you're the only one who remembers that, but even still, man, you brush up against J- Double J, and you make money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and credit to Jerry, it looks like a million bucks. Yeah, man, listen, he,
0: you know, he... You know, I know uh, young Ed was uh, giving him shit for the Thomas Jefferson quote the other day, and uh, Jeff is a very inspirational quote guy. He's in the program, and whether you believe it or not, it works for some people, Um, and it works for a lot of people. And I think it was maybe like a week or two ago he posted his five-year clean chip, man. And that's the other thing. Five years clean. So for a good part of his run, when he was making these deals with Fox Sports and the NFL and NASCAR and Spike TV and all these other things, he was fucked up mm-hmm. all the time. Booze, pills, coke, all of it. And he was still making money. Now, five years on, focus on just the money. <laughs> He's unstoppable.
1: Yeah, look, look out WWE. <laughs>
0: Listen, if somebody if somebody else said. Last time WWE got hired or Double uh, Double J got hired by a major uh, wrestling company, the owner was ousted in three months. <laughs> if I'm Tony Khan, don't let your dad and Double J be in the ro- room together alone for any period of time. <laughs>
1: Oh, you're going to see Jeff uh, running those uh, post pay per view scrums.
0: Oh, Punk ain't going to cock off in front of Double J. <laughs> I Fuck think Punk, no.
1: I don't think Punk's in a position to be cocking off anywhere anytime soon. He's but.
0: cocking off at home,
1: you know, huh. in front of nobody. In front of AJ.
0: Hey, you know what? It's been over a year. Fuck Phil. Fuck his oh. dog. Fuck his lies. Uh, he had a year, he got a brand new bunny. And within, like, weeks of that year being up, he didn't eat the bunny. He threw it out a fucking window. Oh. Fuck, all right. <laughs> That didn't take long. No heat, no heater segment here. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not even putting <laughs> the music in. I'll play my world again. <laughs> all right. Do you have anything else? No. It, this, is an, this is an extended no heat, no uh, heater segment. All heat, no heater segment. Because we're going to talk about the homework now.
4: <laughs> all right.
5: Homework. Homework.
6: It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself.
1: You want to introduce your homework? I suppose. I assigned you, as well as everyone else... Available exclusively on YouTube. I'm sure a lot of people are vying to get the rights to this. But Nightmare Factory Showcase number six. And if you haven't already, go check out masslibrary.com. Our friend Kevin had a very good write-up of this homework. Uh, I'm beginning to think he doesn't enjoy these shows. I don't know why. No
0: one enjoys these shows, Adam. Um. So these uh, shows are the end of a 12-week intensive camp, kind of like a fantasy camp for people involved in the world of wrestling, people who want to be involved in the world of wrestling. There's all sorts of different skill levels here. There's people having their first match. There's people that have been wrestling for a year. There's been people wrestling for even longer. Now, I'm going to do my best to not give a hard time to the people that they very clearly said this was their first match but i will say clearly said is a problem because the way that the commentary was mic'd up yet again many times it was barely audible of what they were saying and i had to put the subtitles on in the hopes to figure out what was going on right
1: yeah, and you're going to be somewhat respectable. I'm going to bury whoever I feel like burying.
0: All right, well, that's the difference between me and you. Uh, I've taken one bump in the world of professional wrestling, so I'm allowed to critique professional wrestlers, and I'm deciding not to because I want to helpfully have Jimbo on the show sometime in the near future, and I don't want to hurt his feelings. Yeah, um, alien, him. Right. Uh, and I didn't point out any of the referees on the show uh, not counting someone's shoulders down uh, for a pin. Just because it's a student show, you should, shouldn't should like fucking uh, compromise the integrity of your referees. Anywho. Um, so the commentary was low. Uh, there was three different commentators throughout the course of the night. There was one who was like Jim, Jim Schuyler, maybe, who was doing like a heel commentator gimmick. Um, he was the worst of the lot. The other two were fine. But there was less people in the crowd. But somehow the less people were miked up better. <laughs> yeah and it um, felt
1: like a lot of there was like maybe multiple microphones uh, picking up like the crowd noise yeah. and the mix you would hear the same thing but you'd hear it twice because like the mics weren't in sync
0: yeah so I'll shit all over the production on this like I am now because I think the production on this is done by DDP's production house and I can't imagine them putting like we'll get I'll get more specific things out Right. But if you remember from the last time that Adam had signed one of these uh, nightmare family showcases, there was three cameras, a hard camera, a camera on the floor and a camera on the apron. And never during the course of the fifth one did they ever use a shot from the camera on the apron. Okay? yeah. They did use use shots from the camera on the apron in this one, and as Kevin pointed out, and I'm like, every time they cut to that camera, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Is there something wrong with the video? Is there something wrong with my inter- internet connection? Apparently that third camera that was on the apron was a different frame rate, so it was making everything look slower.
1: Yeah, it looked like the, the John Morrison entrance. Yeah, it was <laughs> oh, real like fucked up, man. And I also commented in my notes here that it, it doesn't even feel like this show is recorded in high definition. You no, know? it's definitely not. It's like DVD quality, if that, you know, or like an old VHS to DVD transfer of like an ECW show. Like the, the, just the video quality is terrible for a show that was made in 2022.
0: Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll say this again, so I'm not hi- harping on it every single match. Um, the average match time on this show was about eight to nine minutes. For people having their first match ever, six minutes is fine. Mm-hmm. Tell them they have four, so when they go six, you're, you're okay with it. They don't need to know that in your head you only wanted them to go six. Yeah. Because no one ever sticks to their times, ever. Um, but every match on the show was too long, and it felt like it was too long. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, as mentioned, the opening contest was Jimbo... Taking on Justin Xavier Jimbo, this was his first match ever, um, and this was the classic battle of a guy from the Air Force versus a kid who bought like off-the-rack tights that have Pac-Man on them. He's a Pac-Man enthusiast, Joe. I, I listen. I'm a fucking Pac-Man enthusiast as a 45-year-old person. This kid couldn't have been more than 21. So listen, he bought those off the rack, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, and hey, you know, like this is another one I'm not going to harp on too too much. Um, so, um, again, I've taken one bump in the world of professional wrestling. I've been watching professional wrestling for the better part of, you know, almost 40 years of my life. I've been involved in professional wrestling for the better part of the last, let's say 17 years of my life as an active participant, uh, as a commentator. Again, I'm not a physically, uh, whatever, but the two things that looked the worst on the show, there was stuff that looked bad. But the two things that looked the worst on this show were arm drags and clotheslines, okay? Um, most of the new people throwing clotheslines looked like dog shit, and most of the people that have, like, cage match profiles and many, many matches under their belt, their clotheslines look like shit, right?
1: They would just put their arm up, and, like, hopefully the other guy would run into the arm.
0: But yeah. they wouldn't even, like—they wouldn't even—so they put their arm up, but they wouldn't even put their arms straight, Yep. And they wouldn't even put, like, if you're going to clothesline, you're going to put your arm parallel to your shoulder, okay? Or horizontal with your shoulder. Kind of like, let's think, the, the Macho Man Hasbro figure, right? Sure. That's how your arm should be, that high up, that straight, and you hook it, right? These guys were, like, doing, like, the lazy, like, I bring my arm up to my midsection and I hook my arm. You better run into it because I'm not making any other motions, right? <laughs> yeah. And then so many of the arm drags on this, and the arm drag is a very complicated move to do. But if you and your part, you and your opponent are working together, and listen, wrestling is a cooperation between the people in the ring. You're not trying to hurt each other, but you're trying to create the illusion of hurting your opponent to win the match. So many people were not posting correctly on the arm drags, other people were not assisting the person taking the arm drag and getting over, and we could have seen a lot of people get fucked up on arm drags on the show. On fucking arm drags, man. Like, I don't know who's running the school these days. Uh, You know, I know Cody cuts a promo at the beginning of the thing, says this is his school. I don't know who it is, man, but like, fucking go back and watch this show and look at these fucking shitty arm drags and look at these fucking shitty clotheslines and like, Fix that shit in your classes, man. You have these people for 12 weeks. Fucking spend a week on clotheslines and spend a week on arm drags.
1: Yeah, no. so like a lot of the earlier shows had the battle royals at the end and they would kind of throw in some people who couldn't quite have a match yet. Sure. And that hasn't happened the last couple showcases. But Is it just me, or does this feel like this was the most... I mean, there was a couple people who stood out as being pretty good or decent, but was this the most untrained showcase we've seen so far? Because it felt like that to me.
0: So, yes, but I I would say that this is probably the biggest number of people that have had... um, This is their first match, but this is also the biggest number of people that I would say um, were poorly trained coming into this.
1: Yeah, because there's a couple, and we'll get into them, where they just like, holy shit, have you ever ever even seen a wrestling match before, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: so this match was whatever, right? Uh, Justin Xavier wins.
1: Yeah, nine and a half minutes
0: and nothing. Right. Okay, so the next match is a tag team match. And I got a lot of fucking notes on this, okay? <laughs> yeah. So they, the, 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 the heel team comes out, okay? And the Chiron says, Kojo... And Lesnar. Lesnar is wearing a shirt that says Lesnar Guerrero. Yeah. The ring announcer and commentators call them Kogeo and Jay Lima. Close enough. <laughs> guys, what the fuck are we doing, right? Yeah. Like, match two, and you can't even get the guy's fucking names right. Yeah. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Uh, They take on Vari Morales, who I've actually seen on episodes of AEW Dark, and Big C.A. Now, Big C.A. actually is from Spain. Like, he runs a promotion in Spain, okay? All right. Okay? He's only been wrestling for about a year or two. Um, Again, I will say, if you want to imagine what he looks like, picture the skinny wolf from Stranglemania and Mr. Hitman, and you have Big C.A., Right?
1: Yeah, and, and it's hard to tell based on who he's in the ring with, because there's not exactly any giants in that ring. But would you hazard to say he's any bigger than, like, 6'1"?
0: Um, I would say he's probably, like, 6'2"-ish, because they did smartly put him in there with a bunch of short guys. They were claiming that he was, like, 6'4", 6'5", which I don't think is correct.
1: No, like, if him against the ropes, like, it, the ropes yeah. were up to, like, his, his chest, <laughs> uh
0: so this so this is one of one two was there a third tag match on this show yeah so this is one of three tag matches on this show that are all wrestled the same exact formula we're like for some reason like the baby faces get the shine but then the heels work the corner like they're the baby faces um then the heels do a bunch of cool moves which the heels shouldn't do the heels should be preventing the baby faces from doing cool shit and then like a clusterfuck at the end where it's like clumsy and awkward Mm -hmm. um very morales turns on big ca for no reason um and allows uh kojo kogeo lesnar lesnar guerrero jay lima to get the win And on commentary, they make the same Oprah, you get a blank, you get a blank, you get a blank, shitty joke twice on the same match.
1: Yeah, and the hot tag uh, that is given to Big C.A., where he starts delivering clotheslines to everybody, is probably the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. And I need to see that gift. You know, that needs to be like that guy that uh, got eliminated from the Battle Royal, but he was like running the, the indie promotion. And he landed on his head, like how that made all the rounds this past week. Yeah. I think if enough people saw this hot tag from Big C A, this would be almost as popular.
0: It was it was very um who's the fucking guy in Hit Row that stinks? Uh Top Dollar. Dollar King. It was very it was a very Dollar King hot tag.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I might even put over to, uh Dollar King and say that he looked better than than Big C A. Just barely.
0: Um, so the next match is the Spartan of Pain <laughs> taking on Dor- Darian Bengston. Now, I will say Darian Bengston is a guy who has been kicking around the Southeast Indies for a while, and it really showed. He stood out on the show both in his looks, the way that he worked the minuscule crowd, because typically the way that these shows work is whoever comes out first is the heel, whoever comes out second is the baby face, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So Spartan of Pain comes out in the heel part, and he kind of gets some booze, but then Bengston comes out and works heel to the crowd, so that turns Spartan of Pain babyface, which was the smart thing to do, because I think this was Spartan of Pain's first match ever, and there was no fucking way he was going to be able to control a match. Um, Keep your eye on Darian Bengston, because... If he was able to get a serviceable match, serviceable match out of Spartan of Pain, he's probably pretty good.
1: Yeah, and uh, if you thought Big Ca was bad, uh, the Spartan of Pain might have been like the most untrained person like ever on one of these shows. The guy couldn't lift up. Bankson in like uh, like a side suplex or anything like that. The only times he got any offense in where he had to lift somebody or where he had to lift Bankson is where Bankson would get up on the top rope and sit there so that all the Spartan had to do would be like just briefly support the weight and then drop him. You know?
0: Like I said, I'm keeping my... Uh, people that are having their first match ever, I'm keeping my remarks to myself, okay?
1: Yeah, and are there no gyms in Sparta anymore? Hmm... <laughs>
0: Next match, uh, we have Charlotte Renegade, but they, they are named Weird,
1: right? Yeah, uh, it's like Charlotte.
0: Yeah, Charlotte Renegade uh, taking on Ryan Hawthorne. Now, the Renegade sisters typically do, like, a heel twin magic act on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation where they do the twin magic thing and they still get beat anyway. <laughs> um, but Ryan Hawthorne is doing, like, an evil nurse gimmick. Yeah.
1: Briefly, Um, I think it was, like, dropped right after the introduction.
0: Yeah, it's, like, one of those things, like, her gear did not match being an evil nurse, but she must have mentioned to someone during the 12 weeks that she used to be a nurse. So they're like, we're going to give you a nurse gimmick and just put a nurse coat on over your fucking
1: gear, right? Yeah, and a a stethoscope, which, you know, nurses are famous to have.
0: Right, and this is one of those deals where I think, um, like I said, the, the, the Renegade sisters typically work heel, uh, Charlotte was forced to work babyface, and I think she did a good job, um, kind of playing against the type that she normally does on TV.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, if you want to look for something very entertaining to watch, watch Ryan run the ropes and duck clotheslines. It's she's running like you remember when like Triple H was making fun of the Ultimate Warrior running in slow motion. Yes, got on that. <laughs> and hmm. every single match, I'm like, okay, now this has to be the worst wrestler of the night, and every time I'm wrong. <laughs> I just keep
0: Anyway, um, so next up, we have Dean Cooper and Jay Lucas taking on Cobra Singh and Zach Apollyon. The
1: American Spartan, Zach Apollyon. Two Spartans okay. tonight.
0: Right, so we have two Spartans on the show. Um, Cobra Singh's got a good look. Mm-hmm. And then that's all I got to say about this match.
1: Yeah, it's a competent but long and boring match. Uh,
0: yeah. Nothing really happens. This is maybe the second longest match in the show at almost 11 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have a three-way match of the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, I don't know how a man can be an entire tournament. (laughs) Um, Larry Lazard taking on Terry Yaki. Get it? Taking... Yes, I do. Taking on Baron Black. Now, I know for sure I've seen Terry Yaki and Baron Black on episodes of AEW Dark. Um, Larry Lazard, I have never, I don't think I've seen, or if I have seen, he didn't make a real impression on me. Um, This was a flippy-doo match that they put Baron Black in, who's the most experienced out of the three, to try to, like, keep these guys under control, which made it an entertaining match in that respect. But again, the match goes like 12 minutes, way longer than it should have been. Um, this should have been your opener, and I know it's just a student show. But if you want to get people talking, they should have let Larry Lazard Teriyaki go out there, do their best six minutes of flips, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Like, at, towards the end of the match, Lazard does like a 450 stomp, which I thought was awesome on <clears> black. <throat> but it was only a 2 and, like, seconds after he delivered that, Black gets up and he's imi- immediately, like, on the offensive again. Like, what should have been, like, a, a finishing move or a devastating move was just seeing, like, a hip toss, which kind of stood out for me. Right. But And at one point, Teriyaki dropped Black on his head, uh, and the commentators called it the unique suplex. Yeah, I mentioned commentary was bad. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't criticize commentary.
0: I can criticize commentary. So (laughs) next up, we have Robin Renegade taking on, if you looked at the Chiron, the Chiron said, Cap'n, C-A-P-T-N, next word, dream, next word, boat.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, she should have been called Vicky the Wagon, dreamboat, if you know what I mean. Hmm. (laughs) Uh yeah,
0: I saw somebody send up the grease signal for you for this match. Uh but no, this is Vicky uh Dreamboat who has wrestled a bunch uh on AEW uh Dark and Dark Elevation. Go out of your way. She had a match with Abaddon, that's exactly what you think it would be. She kicks around the Florida Indies a bunch. Um again, this match was eight minutes. Uh the commentators were putting over that Vicky is just coming back from a broken foot um they decide to work like the first two minutes of the match around that and then forget it for the next six minutes of the match um vicky has been wrestling a long time and she fucked up a ton in this match Mm -hmm. uh the finisher was her attempting to do the wheelbarrow stunner and robin renegade like went to sell it the wrong way and it looked all fucked up and they still just had it be the finisher
1: yeah, I, I, I and like I don't want to say like, oh, you should have just had the women tagging. But I mean, it would have made sense to have the Renegade sisters be a tag team and maybe not expose everybody as much by having them wrestle one on one. Like it kind of would have killed some time or like saved us some time.
0: Right. Instead of having Ryan Hawthorne be an evil nurse, she's a nice nurse. Yeah. You know, um, but I think uh, as, if Vicky Dreamboat, she's got a good look. She's got an interesting name. She's out there busting her ass, uh, trying to get bookings. Um, She's on the radar because she's been on Dark a bunch. Um, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Next up, we have the Southeast SWAT team of Luke Sampson and Trevor Blackwell, who are the Nightmare Factory Tag Team Champions.
1: Yeah, and I popped huge for Hellion saying that they won the tag straps in Rio de Janeiro.
0: (laughs) Right. Taking on the Rocket Josh Benson and the Viking Warrior Logan Ragnarok.
1: Typical Norse name, Logan.
0: Right. That's like naming yourself, like, fucking, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is Winter Soldier Iron Man, you know? (laughs) Like, you uncreative fuck. Um, Logan Ragnarok is our second fake Brock Lesnar on the show. Um, Jay Lima was just calling himself Lesnar Guerrero, but this guy is, like, doing, like, the whole, like, like, the ponytail Lesnar look, right? Yeah. Uh, he even does a shitty F5 in the match that Luke Sampson (laughs) no-sells. Um, Luke Sampson and Trevor Blackwell, while they may be a a regular tag team and they may be the Nightmare Family... Tag Team Champions. Uh, They have zero chemistry. They were constantly in each other's way. They were constantly tripping over each other's feet, trying to do the most basic of double-team offense to their opponents. Um, Josh Benson was fine, but there's only one Rocket in professional wrestling, and that's Owen Hart. And uh, Logan Ragnarok has a good look, but I don't think him and Luke Sampson get along.
1: Okay. Yeah, I got to the point on the show where it's like, all right, there's some enjoyment for me. Like, I kind of like watching the bad wrestling aspect of some of these shows. Surprise, surprise. And, like, you're getting to the point where while they're not polished, it's not – they're not, like, uh, obviously terrible. And at the same time, they're not, like, having a good, fun match. So it's just kind of blah. It's just Four people doing moves like okay it's your turn now it's my turn and there's no psychology to it there's no excitement and uh, maybe some of that could have been saved by having like a real crowd you know but
0: uh or more crowd because there's been times in the past where they have like more people that just didn't get on the show that were in the crowd and like especially by this time of the match like during the heat segment in this tag match there's like three or four people just like on their phones not paying attention to the match
1: yeah yeah, it feels like it's definitely just, like, friends of the wrestlers. And if you're, your person isn't in the ring, they didn't give a shit. Right. You know? All right, what's next?
0: And then we have our main event, uh, the star of the uh, Nightmare Family Showcase, Dean Alexander, uh, taking on Shoot Taylor. Uh, he has Shooter on his tights. Uh, he did, like, one or two amateur moves, but for the most part, all he did was just take uh, Dean Alexander's basic 80s, early 90s heel offense until he does a little bit of a comeback, does a Falcon Arrow gimmick off the top rope, um, and then Dean Alexander loses to continue his losing streak on the Nightmare Family Showcase
1: events. Yeah, he's 0 in 6 He's like the Dan Champion of the Nightmare Facts. Oh, my goodness. No, <laughs> Dan beat uh, Chris Worthless once. I'll tell you that. <laughs> So I just have to expect him to
0: be like, Big Dean. (laughs) Um, But Dean Alexander is fine, but he just needs something. I remember there was like, so uh, one thing I noticed was nobody got promos on the show. And there's been previous ones where people have caught promos. Yeah. And there was a a blessing and
1: like uh, a downside.
0: Right. But at least it's something, you know. Um, and I know there was the one episode uh, of this where they had, like, Dean Alexander coming out, like, wearing, like, a different robe, and then he had, like, a valet, and they were trying to, like, gussy him up a little bit, and then this time he just comes out and he's just like, here's a guy, you know?
1: Yeah, he's like a guy who's, like, seems to be a good hand, but there's nothing exciting about him or appealing about him. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to boo him, you don't want to cheer him, he's just kind of there. He's just a guy.
0: Yeah, it's just a guy. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to say that this was the worst of them, but this was definitely the blandest of the Nightmare Family showcases. And at the very least, uh, you know, nobody from this, I think this was, like, was released, uh, about two months ago, uh, two and a half months ago. It was probably filmed a month prior to that. And at least nobody who was on this show, as if this recording has been canceled for, like, faking COVID tests or being racist like previous people have. I give it time. Okay, but like I said, as of this recording, I said, right? Yeah, yeah. So now it's time for my homework, okay? All right,
1: what do you got for me, Joe?
0: Okay, uh, so continuing on the uh, Chikara stuff that we've been watching, uh, we are going to be watching the Chikara Return Show after watching Ashes, the event that was set up uh, there. This is uh, May 24th, 2014, the Chikara event, You Only Live Twice. Now, a couple caveats with this. Uh, we're not going to be watching the entire show. Uh, between me and you, the entire show is not great. Um, but uh, I do, uh, t- Adam, today I learned how to make a YouTube playlist. Oh, look at you. Uh, so you'll see, uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, I know it's going to look daunting uh, that it is eight videos, but the total runtime of the eight videos is approximately two, four, six, eight. 12 16 uh let's say 26 minutes give or take a couple seconds um and it includes an eddie kingston promo so
1: yeah i mean well you gotta be at eddie kingston that's
0: right uh so on the show itself um you know and it'll be in the show notes of course the link to the event on independentwrestling.tv uh the playlist will be linked up there as well Uh, Opening is the BDK uh, taking on the Spectral Envoy. We're watching that. Uh, Ashley Ashley Remington taking on Chuck Taylor. We're watching that. Uh, We're skipping the Batiri versus the Auditorium. We're skipping Jervis Cottonbelly versus Juan Francisco de Coronado. We're skipping uh, Pieces of Hate versus Throwbacks versus 3.0 versus Kikito. We are watching Archibald Peck versus Jimmy Jacobs in the battle of the current heads of TNA Creative. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're skipping the Colony versus Colony Extreme Force, and of course, we're watching the main event of Eddie Kingston versus Icarus for the Grand Championship.
1: Okay, let's what's, what's that? One, two, three, only four matches.
0: Right, four, four matches. Match. The twenty-six minutes of promo material. Trust me, especially with a lot of the ant stuff. Um, that's going to be covered in those previously on videos. Okay,
1: Pl- I mean, well, I'm skipping. All the ant stuff from the looks of it.
0: Right. But you get what you uh, would have got out of watching the ant match. You get in that six minute uh, previously on video. Gotcha.
1: All right. Yeah. If there's anything I like, it's skipping the wrestling and watching promos.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so let's get into voicemail, huh? Let's do it.
5: Hello, guys. The strongest man in all the land. Arthur McArthur here. Sorry I missed last week. You know, I was a little busy. A little busy with the uh, ballerina dancing and whatnot, Adam. I uh, I apologize for not letting you know in advance about the uh, costume change. I don't know if I'm ever going to do it again. But it seems like uh, someone was way too high on it than he should have been, and everyone else. So I don't know. You might need to invest in a tutu. We, we, we'll discuss later. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, this past Halloween I did a did a uh, an electrified steel cage match. And um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The cage wasn't actually electric. What? But there was an effect to make it look like it was. Oh. And this effect failed. Like, we threw each other into the the cage, and it just didn't work out. Like, there was barely any sparks, and we had to really, really try and overemphasize it. But these Juggalo fans, you know, say what you will about the clowns, they're they're not that dumb. They actually know what's going on, and uh, they were really... You're like, oh, God, there's no sparks. What's going on? And the whole gimmick just kind of fell flat, you know? So my question, it's more of an open discussion. Talk to me about a match in the past anywhere where the whole gimmick, the whole spiel of it just kind of fell flat or it failed and it just made things awkward. I think this will be a fun topic for you guys to discuss. But that's all I got. Hope you have a great one. And, uh, Adam... Uh, get, uh, get on that too man! That's uh, ballet <laughs> season or dancing season. Steve Guy got it wrong.
0: Uh, Fuck Steve I, Guy! I can't believe Steve Guy got something wrong.
1: <laughs> well, Artie, send me a, a a link to the one that you bought because I'm sure it's just you know I'll get the same exact one. Yeah. Um As far as like the matches that just didn't, don't didn't quite work out. Uh, obviously, the easy one that sticks out in my mind is the Kenny Omega. Uh, uh, fucking Dean Ambrose, uh, John, John Moxley. Moxley, John Moxley exploding cage match from, uh, A.W. Yep. The but exploding to,
0: match where Eddie what, King came down what, to save him with no explosion. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what jumped out at me after I thought of that was the, uh, the, what was it? Like the kennel from hell match in WWE with all the yes. dogs surrounding the ring and they were just shitting and fucking bored. So I, uh,
0: I, I was at Kennel from Hell live, and uh, again they never did it again, not even as a goof, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the one that I always think about, like obviously they a couple months ago, uh, as part of the Gathering of the Juggalos, they did what was supposed to be an electrified cage gimmick, where like you would hit and they would trigger like sparklers to get shot off, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like a lot of sparklers or Roman candles or whatever it was. And I'm sure it sounds like they tried to replicate that. It just didn't work out. And it happens, right? Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, so TNA uh, for a period of time had the, held the pay-per-view lockdown. Uh, whereas part of lockdown, uh, it was the entire show was cage matches. And, you know, it got to a point where like, well, how could we spice up these cage matches, right? Well, they did one where it was an electrified cage, uh, just like Artie's talking about. And I forget, who, like, let it was definitely uh, the Dudleys, right? I don't know who they were fighting. Let's say it was beer money, okay? It was yeah. definitely the Dudleys. And what they did to simulate the electrified cage gimmick was, was when anyone would hit the cage... They would flash red lights in the building, <laughs> uh, like it would like like you have your normal house lights up, but they would like flash like go dark red, dark red, dark red to simulate the electrocution effect. Um, and there was one point in the match where uh, Devon was like running at someone, or he got thrown like face first into the cage, and he holds onto the cage. They're doing the red light effect. And Devon is selling the electrocution, but also he's selling that his hands are stuck to the cage and he can't let go because the electricity is so hot. I don't fucking know what they were trying for, Uh, but this was one of the many, many times where there were very loud and audible fire Russo chants. And uh, Vince Russo will have you know that that was Dutch Mantel's idea
1: it sounds very like wrestling society X type of deal. Yeah. You know, we need a piranha match again.
0: I agree. <laughs> All right. Thanks, next Artie. call. Thank you, Arnie.
2: Hello, gentlemen, Kevin here. Um, so let me tell you something and then they'll come around to my question. So if you're not aware, uh, China's been launching these rockets into space for their own space station. And the booster rocket part that is supposed to be a controlled uh, descent, they instead just let fall where it may, deciding that like 75, 80% of the planet is water, anyways. Chances are it will fall down in water. And so there's one coming crash into Earth right now. It'll probably land, I think they're guessing, uh, Tuesday right now, somewhere. Don't know where yet hopefully over water and they keep doing this and keep doing this. And eventually they're going to get to the point where if you keep doing something, keep doing something expecting bad things won't happen because the odds are low. Something bad is going to happen. So how many Saudi Arabia shows will it take for something (laughs) really bad to happen? I ask this despite knowing that they just left most of their talent there a few years ago and knowing that there's currently a terrorist threat uh, around the venue right now. So, over under, how many times or how many years out before something really, truly horrible, awful happens for a WWE Saudi Arabia show? That's my question for this week. Looking forward to the show, guys. Talk to you later. So we we don't do uh, you know
0: the Saudi Arabia shows,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but as I understand it, um, they have a deal with the Saudi government to be doing at least like three or four more years of shows. So it doesn't matter how many bad things happen. Uh, they're going to just keep doing them,
1: you know? Yeah, because they, they got a fuck ton of money, and they if they don't do it, their stocks will go down. Their stock will go down, and that's right. really the number one priority over safety. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I was I going to say, well, I mean, WWE, you know, they moved to WrestleMania because of a, a terrorist threat. So they take security really, really seriously.
0: That's right. Definitely wasn't because they uh, couldn't sell out the hundred thousand seat uh, L.A. Sports Complex for Hulk Hogan versus Washed Sergeant Slaughter, right?
1: Definitely not. It was
0: definitely safety, not
1: safety. Safety of everybody is the number one.
0: Uh, but this looks like a very funny card. Uh, as I'm looking at the uh, Crown Jewel card for this weekend, uh, there is rumor that uh, even though he's not listed, that they are bringing Bray Wyatt over there to do like a promo segment. Yeah.
1: If I and, was him, I would be like, "I'll just tape that."
0: You right. Know? Well, I did read on on internet today, social media today, that CM Punk is coming to WWE to fight Uncle Howdy. So
1: <laughs> listen, I, I, I read that too. It might have been on uh, might have been on your Twitter. I I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Um, I just saw it. I saw a lot of people tweeting about it. Is all you know. Many people are saying. Many people are saying right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know, and I just hope no one gets hurt like over there because of the terrorist things that are going on. Yeah, and, that's uh, all.
1: I, I I don't know if I want to say this into a microphone, but I, I kind of want to see Roman against Logan Paul. Um, I watch the GIFs Yeah, like it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I have a lot of faith in Roman, you know, and. Bloodline stuff is cool and maybe maybe it'd be entertaining. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it live. Right.
0: But, anyways. All right. Ne- thank you for calling, Kevin. Next call.
4: Hey, Adam, Joe. It's Jay Hawk from Independent Wrestling Guys. Good to talk to you guys can get. It's been a while. A uh, very interesting couple of weeks with the independent wrestling scene, with everybody jumping the flight plus, or and or announcing that they're staying with IWTV because apparently that requires an announcement of some description. Good for us, comes the show. It gives us a lot more options to watch when I come in to scene four or five promotions all the time. Uh, but anyway, in addition to all the independent wrestling that I watch, I've been getting into a binge of some old Jim Crockett stuff from the mid-'80s, 1985 or so, and before, I think for Adam. And these TV shows in January, February 85 are, like, really weird. Like, the squash matches are even, like, pretty good by that standard of the time. But I'm watching these shows, and they're interviewing the same talent two or three different times every show. I just finished watching an episode of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling from February 5th, 1985, where Paul Jones interviewed three times, and every interview is about Superstar Billy Graham and the Barbarian. Like, do I need to hear the same people talk three times in a show? Well, that's not even counting any local promo. Boy, they might be cutting a promo for a local show. Uh, I am very glad they got it. I can't even get away from that format, but a lot of those TBS shows do the same thing. Uh, I mean, I guess, what are your guys' thoughts on that kind of thing? Should it be just uh, one interview or promo and done, or do you think there's a need for two or three different promos going on at the exact same time?
1: All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. You never have too many promos. I say less wrestling, more promos.
0: Well, that, you know, and, and thank you for the call, Jayhawk. He brings up an interesting point. That era of Jim Crockett promotions, if you go back and read The Observer from those days and, you know, whatever your take on Meltzer, you know, that's between you, him, and God – Um but, like, he hated those shows because it was no wrestling. Like, you'd get a 90 minutes or 90-second squash match and then a four-minute Paul Jones promo. Then you'd get, like, a 60-second squash match and then you get, like, another promo. Then you'd get, like, a two-minute squash match and then another Paul Jones promo, just like Jayhawk was saying. So, again, obviously he's using the, the the Paul Jones thing as a very specific thing, but it was no different than having, like, you know... A guy who manages a bunch of different people come out and cutting a promo on different issues, you know. Um, And through uh, our vantage point, uh, you know, I've been watching along with them as part of the uh, 85 canon, you know, 84 into 85. You know, obviously the build to WrestleMania, you're going to have a Hulk Hogan promo. You're going to have a Mr. T promo. You're going to have a Paul Orndorff promo. You're going to have a Roddy Piper promo. And you're probably going to have a promo of all them together, Right. But you're building to WrestleMania. But even on the shows that weren't building to WrestleMania, they made a concerted effort, even when they were doing, like, the localized house show promos. Like, you would not get two, let's say, Junkyard Dog dog promos in the same show. You wouldn't get two Sheik and Volkov promos in the same show. Like, you might get three Bobby Heenan promos, but it's a Bobby Heenan and... Ken Patera promo. It's a Bobby Heenan and Big John Studd promo. And it's a Bobby Heenan alone promo. They were all different subject matters, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe where WWE was kind of serving the lunch to Jim Crockett at the time. And it wasn't until later where Jim Crockett's like, instead of having like Paul Jones come out and cut three promos this week, why don't we have like Jim Cornette do it? Or Ric Flair do it? Or have the episode of TV where like Flair comes out and cuts a promo. Then two segments later, Dusty cuts a promo. Then two segments later, Flair comes out and cuts the rebuttal to the Dusty promo, you know? Um, so it like studio wrestling and what WWE was doing was very different, and I think the WWE stuff probably holds up better because of it. You know, the matches weren't great, uh, but at least the promos were varied and different.
1: Yeah, I almost want to see an indie show that's just all promos now. I've been sitting here thinking about it while you're talking about wrestling before 1990, so I was zoning out. (laughs) And, like, I just, you're allowed to do a couple pull aparts, maybe even announce a match and have the competitors in the ring, but then somebody comes out and cuts a promo and the match, they just kind of forget about it. You can almost, like, call it, like, oops, all promos. <laughs> if, like, I think that would be a funny show. Like you don't don't announce it ahead of time, but just every time there's almost a match, like a promo happens. I'll run up the flagpole. <laughs> like, I think that would be a funny bit. Like you almost get a match. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Thanks, Jayhawk. All right, next call.
6: Hey, Joan Adam, what's happening? It's your buddy Kenny from the Mystery Man. Uh just wanted to uh for the record formally apologize to Adam for uh suggesting that he watch Ashes. Uh <laughs> uh when that whole thing was going down, uh, I have no problem I can admit I was uh completely quote chikara pilled at the time and uh was completely along for the ride, hook line and sinker with the uh the shutdown into the wrestling is shows. Uh, and then what turned out to be the big comeback into the start of what would be the Wrestle Factory era. Um, and I was totally on board for all that stuff, and I remember it through, uh, I guess, uh, you know, blue tinted glasses, and, uh, probably should have maybe not been super, uh, super stoked to have everybody sit down and watch what was essentially a bunch of YouTube clips with uh, a couple things in between. So,
1: anyway, sorry, fellas
6: uh
1: talk to you soon it's all right Kenny I don't hold you responsible if anything I blame Joe and I'll just say that while I didn't entirely enjoy it I appreciate the fact that I saw it you know like I I feel like I had to I had to see it eventually for my Chikara knowledge history type deal
0: yeah, there's no way to get the full 2013 2014 Chikar experience in 2022, but I got to give it to you as close as we possibly can.
1: Yeah, uh, no selective history here. This is in public school, right? All right, last call ish,
0: pink button time. It's Ed.
3: Yay. Hey, hey, Joan Adam. It's Ed. Um, George. Wanna say sorry to you and to your dear sweet Brucey. Oh thank you. Um That Dave Meltzer is a fucking liar, dude. He's just a lying uh motherfucker and I fucking uh hate him. I hate his gut, I hate his dumb fucking face, I hate his messy fucking room. Uh Brian Alvarez is still cool. But Dave sucks. Still perpetuating that lie and doubling down the CM Punk. Um Got Cole Cabana moved down to ROH. Bullshit. Uh, Punk says it's going to happen, so I think that's the end of it. Punk and TK, very trustworthy. I trust them. That shit never took place. Bullshit. Hate them. Very upset about this. Uh, no wonder CM Punk hates this business. You have jokes like Dave Meltzer spreading lies about you. <laughs> But Colt Cabana was mean to me that one time. I don't
0: fucking like him. Okay, bye. I'm I'm uh, I'm with Ed on uh, regards to Colt. Even though he and I have uh, buried, our squashed our beef. I don't like the fact that he was mean to Ed that one time. If he sends Ed back his ten dollars that he fleeced him for, then uh, maybe uh, you know we'll get over it. You know.
1: Yeah. Um. Just related but unrelated, uh, 10 hours ago, there was a tweet from at Pod Van Dam that said, new episode out. And uh, it's now 10 hours later, and I'm refreshing my feed. I still don't see it.
0: Well, that's that's because you don't know how I, – listen, I fucking listened to the goddamn show at 12.07 today, man. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: I don't know. I I mean, I might use an actual proper podcatcher, and I don't have it, so. Well, that sounds like a you problem,
0: not a me problem. That sounds like I know how the fucking internet works. Um, But yeah, so Ed is right. Dave Meltzer does kind of suck. I will have to correct him, though. The room is cleaned up now, because the fact that they have Dave on camera, he can't live in the... They can't videotape him in the the pigsty that he is. And you can't be the preeminent wrestling journalist when you were sitting on this story for months and didn't say anything about it until they did an angle about it on TV? Like, how did I know what's going on with the Colt and Punk stuff behind the scenes? And Dave, and I said it on the podcast multiple times, and Dave Meltzer allegedly knew. And then I saw somebody else say this, like, you, like, you could be mad at Punk for many reasons, and again, listen, he's a piece of shit. Um, but, like, if you're gonna be mad at anyone, it's like Tony Khan. It's not like, it's like, well, I got Colt on a format sheet here and he's gonna go out for his match and Punk tackled him and didn't let him come out for the match? Or Punk was like clandestinely like canceling his flight reservation so he couldn't make it to the show? Like Tony was the one making those decisions thinking he was making Punk happy,
1: you know? Mm. Anyway. At the... Ugh. I I don't have a strong opinion on this, but I mean if you have to choose between – if you're a business owner, you're a guy trying to make the best possible television show and you have to decide, do I want CM Punk or do I want Colt Cabana? Uh, I think you take CM Punk 10 out of 10 times and uh, Colt Cabana doesn't do anything for me. So uh, we talked about this last week. If you had to choose between the Elite and CM Punk, that's a harder decision but uh colt and cm punk uh, i know you've turned on them earlier in the show but i'm still taking cm punk and uh yay cole cabana's back on television Woohoo!
0: <laughs> i still think punk is a fascinating character to be on tv um but yeah i don't know like the way Meltzer handled it, it was very unprofessional for someone who's supposed to be an actual journalist you know
1: yeah, but oh, we're gonna get the Big Apple move. You know yeah. where he throws his butt at somebody. It's funny. yay yes. boom, boom, cold Cabana. Ugh. <laughs> Go sell thousand dollar Micro Brawler prototypes. <laughs> Collectively, they were sold for a thousand dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Ed called back. Ed called back. That's not allowed. Uh, hey, Johnny
3: on the Ed again. I was so angry I forgot why I called. Um, so the episode of Raw you're talking about, uh, today, I tell you, one of my favorite, uh, Raw segments ever is Kane beating the shit out of Ahmed Johnson. Uh, Kane was so fucking cool back then, you know, when he was just, uh, played a monster uh, <laughs> and wasn't one in real life. He's a fucking, Glenn's a fucking moron, huh? What a stupid man. Um, but... I'm super into Kane at this time, man. I think this was like one of my like favorite Kane moments. So dope. Uh, Kane just beating the shit out of Jobbers because the Undertaker won't fight him. It's great shit. Uh, I remember being like eighth grade and um, drawing a picture of Kane, right? And like wrestling, it's like end '97. Hasn't quite hit huge yet, right? So this kid. Thought this was just, like, an original character I drew up. And, uh, I just, I never corrected them. i just let them keep thinking that. <laughs> Kids are stupid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just want to call and talk about this because I love this. Like, this is a direction in my mind, this entire segment of Kane beating the shit out of all that Johnson. The dude love one? Definitely better. Uh, but this is probably, I, I know, man. I really like when he beats up the DOA and the Headbangers at the same time, but that's later. You haven't gotten there yet. Ooh, man, this is not the best year of Kane for sure. 1997 Kane's just the best. Lots
1: of red. Perfect red. Perfect red. Kane, bye! <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have to take Ed's word for it. I don't remember being excited about that angle or that, that, that segment. Like it's the same as like I don't remember ever enjoying like a Colt Cabana segment. It's the same thing. It's just all fussy.
0: Wow. Um. So I I'm not gonna say like I was a big Kane fan, but I I definitely was an Undertaker fan. Uh. Even during this era. And, you know, they had it set up that Undertaker's like, I'm not going to fight my brother, and Kane's just like, well, until you fight me, I'm just going to, like, beat everyone up, you know? And when he beats up Jobbers, that's one thing, but Ahmed was, like, a top-of-the-card guy, and, you know, I mentioned it last week, we didn't get too much into it this week, but there was supposed to be a Stone Cold versus Ahmed Johnson match on this episode of Raw. Ahmed comes out, and then instead of Stone Cold coming out, the Kane thing hits, right? Yeah. And fucking Kane comes out and kills Ahmed Johnson. And then Mankind comes out to try to stop Kane. And then they brawl to you know to continue their program for the match uh, leading up at Survivor Series, which, you know, is a forgotten match because, you know, that other thing that happens at Survivor Series 1997. Um, but, like, fucking Foley, man, like, went for it during this feud. He talks about it a little bit on his podcast this week. Um, he kind of gets into the minutia of, like, how to take a chokeslam. To, like, for maximum, um, minimal impact, maximum, like, show, uh, to make it look like you've been killed, and I don't know if I would trust McFoley uh, to be the one to tell me that, but he still gets into it a little bit, um, and the other thing that I forgot of the lead-up to this feud, where, like, Kane beats up Dude Love, and then Mankind comes out to defend Dude Love, and part of Mankind's promo is that he can't believe that Kane did that. Because Dude Love was just a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That in Mick Foley lore, canon, what have you, um, Dude Love was like a teenager, maybe? Like he was the Dude Love that was in the home movies come to life today, embodying the body of, at that time, 38-year-old Mick Foley. Or (laughs) however the hell old Mick was at the time. Yeah. Uh, no, not 38. He would have been 33 at the time. My apologies. Um, so 33-year-old Mick Foley, when he was playing Dude Love, he was playing a teenager, and Mankind was the only one that acknowledged it on TV.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: That is awesome.
1: I tell you what, that Mick Foley, that's a guy you want to see on television. Uh, he's like the anti cult Cabana. Well, you really don't like Colt Cabana. (laughs) I'm just, I've been stewing here. Like, I'm thinking about it. Like, uh, I'm on Team Phil. Since you completely abandoned him, I'm like, oh, man. Does the fact that we're never going to see CM Punk on AEW again uh, mean that they're just going to ram Colt Cabana down my throat? Because if so, I'm not going to be happy about it.
0: No, between me and you, this is probably the (laughs) one-off for Colt Cabana.
1: Oh, good. Like, go and, like, do your Ring of Honor show and put it on the internet, and then I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Well, I, oh man, I might watch it because I like other people. But put Cole Cabana on Ring of Honor Elevation. Then mm-hmm. I'll definitely never have to see it. <laughs> Listen,
0: hey, you know whatever you say about Colt, whatever you say about Punk, we don't need any of them. You know why? You know what we have instead? Why? All right, I'm not going to play the whole thing <laughs> this time. <laughs> Double J. That's all we need. Oh, imagine when Double J is the fucking Ring of Honor champion. Anyway. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so hey, thanks to everyone who called in. Uh, again, of course, you can help out the show. Uh, sign up for Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, I don't think they have promo codes for Fight Plus. Um, with the promo code add odds, new subscriber, uh, you don't get anything free, but it lets Jerry know that you came to him from us. There's no... Uh, t public sale this week but if i remember correctly from last year uh once we hit like black friday time it's like pretty much every weekend from the rest of november and all of december it's 35 percent off so you know maybe they're like easing up on the beginning of the month to hit to the end of the month anyway you could always buy some stuff uh over at our t public store um you could also make any and all of your purchases through our amazon affiliate link Uh, which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter how it is that you get your episodes. It does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon Click Through this past week include uh, a Star Wars Funko Pop Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian with Pouch Funko
1: Pop Ooh, how many pouches? Is it like a Rob Liefeld amount of pouches? No, I think it's
0: just one pouch, maybe. Oh, uh, it's not enough pouches. Uh, and somebody also purchased the Blu-ray of the Doctor Who, uh, Eve of the Daleks, and Legends of the Sea Devils.
1: Oh, well, you're a bit of a Who fan. Uh, did you enjoy those episodes, or do you remember?
0: <sighs> I, th- I think I watched uh, the Sea Devils one. Mm-hmm. All the Daleks, stuff. like, I don't know the name, like, I, the titles. I'm like, oh, this one where Daleks is in the title, that's where the, the Daleks did this. If you tell me what the Daleks did in that episode, I might remember what the Eve of the Daleks episode is, you know?
1: Well, I'm sure there's not a lot of Daleks episodes, so they probably no. come together, you know? No. Again, I, I Todd, as part of
0: uh, Longbox Heroes, when we watch the TV, he's a huge Doctor Who fan, so we do watch Doctor Who there. Um, until Eric Roberts comes back, it's not the real doctor who, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, fair enough.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, I am not going to recommend to anybody that they listen to the art of wrestling, but I will tell them to watch, to listen to these other podcasts, such as long box heroes, long box heroes after dark final wrestling place. We Need Wrestling, which is featuring Wings on Wings Michelle this week. Yes. News. Uh, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Pod Van Dam, The A Show, Between the Sheets, and If You Catch My Grift.
0: Now. I will say this, Adam, you are a little bit behind the eight ball, uh, because it's not Art of Wrestling anymore, it's Wrestling Anonymous, yeah. and it was oh, yeah, just, oh, yeah. it was just a coincidence that Colt dropped his first new episode in four months, literally seconds after his match was done on TV.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's an opportunity. Uh listen, his
0: name was in the public, uh, he's nothing if not a, uh, a marketer, you know? Yeah. Uh... You know, uh, y'all trying to be double J, you ain't double J. (laughs) That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So I think that's it for the main show, and now it's uh, time for Adam's favorite part of the show, yes?
1: Let's do it. Did I not put it in here? Oh, damn it. Money, 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 money. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot near you're the $100 Vansky, your figures will be bought. Ha, 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 ha. There you go. You don't have to put it in. Oh, I don't? Nah, that was good enough.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll play it when we're done. <laughs> I'll tough. close out the show with it. How about that? No, no, it's fine. All right. I can't believe I forgot. So I only got one purchase. I'm sure you've got dozens and a story, right?
1: Uh, I've got a couple and a couple stories. But uh, <laughs> I'll do a boring one real quick and just say... I pre-ordered what is allegedly uh, a NECA.com exclusive uh, Back to the Future accessory set, which is like a bunch of random accessories that go along with uh, the uh, Back to the Future figs that I collect. And aside uh, from getting gouged on shipping, because it was like a $35 set with a $15 shipping cost.
3: I saw uh, that.
1: Yeah looking real forward to that but uh as you know NECA has an exceptional track record of always delivering things that people pre-order in a reasonable amount of time I look forward to getting these uh sometime after the zombie sailor Jeff Jarrett figure comes out
0: right I was gonna say when we're at 15 months plus on your NECA pre-order let's talk pal
1: yeah exactly but uh yeah, that was just kind of something that I needed. Like, I didn't want it, but I'm like, I have every other Neca Back to the Future figure. I'm like, what? Am I just gonna not have this? So I had sure. It. Yeah, that, that's that's crazy. What am I freaking Todd? You know, Mister Guy who's like, I don't need to haggle. <laughs> I have money in my pocket. Yet suddenly he has a reason why he doesn't need every fig under the sun. Come on.
0: <laughs> listen, that Ghost Rider prototype you're trying to push on him. You again. Todd ain't no prototype man. You ain't going to you ain't going to uh, sell him on that one. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, he's not a sophisticated collector. That's fine. He's a casual. <sighs> oh, boy. But what'd you get, Joe?
0: OK, uh, so again, it is approaching the holiday season. Uh, I have not bought anything, um, you know, for my kid for Christmas yet. But we have a list and we're probably going to start pur- purchasing stuff after this weekend. And none of that stuff counts. Uh, but that's where all my money is going to be tied up in, you know? Mm. Uh, but I did buy something this week, again, not for me uh, right now, but the Major Brothers Toy Drive started. Um, and every year I always donate to it, you know, whatever I can. You know, you can go through um, Ringside, and they have a thing set up where if you put in the P.O. Box for Brian's School for Creative Pro... Uh, PO Box three three something, Merrick, New York. PO Box three three nine Merrick, New York one one five six six. You put that in as your shipping address, it automatically kicks through as free shipping. Uh, use the promo code Major for ten percent off. And there's figures on there that you can get super cheap, and it goes to a good cause. It's getting a kid a wrestling figure for Christmas.
1: You know? Yeah. There's like basics for two dollars and fifty cents, and like elites for like five or six bucks.
0: Yeah. So I bought the Drew McIntyre uh, Survivor Series 2020 Elite. That was $4. Yeah. Uh, The Edge WrestleMania 37 Elite, that was $5. The Bianca Belair Elite 81, that was $7. The Candice LeRae Elite 87, that was $7.
1: Yeah, and kids don't know how expensive or how rare a figure is.
0: Right. And it's one thing to get a basic, but I'm like, okay, I can get a basic for $4 or I could get an elite for $4.50. I think that's a little bit cooler, a little bit bigger of a thing. And like I said, I do it every year. If you can afford it, I say do it. You know, helps out a good cause. If you don't have, like, a charity or a Salvation Army or whatever in your area, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to help out these guys, whatever your opinion of Broski is. Brian's a good guy. Uh, Marky's all right. And uh, Tim Sterling's okay too. <laughs>
1: uh, I will say at this point, like this is the, I believe, the fifth toy drive. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, at this point, Ringside should just figure out to have an option at checkout where it's just like, hey, I want this stuff sent to the toy drive instead of you having to, you know, crack the code and type in the, the address of Creator Pro. You know, it should just be an option at checkout. But, uh, that's not what's standing. Uh, I will also say I was entertaining the idea of actually going to the toy drive, and then I saw that they booked Tyrus, and I'm like, yeah, I'll skip this. I'll, I'll just maybe do it through the website. Yeah, I said the same thing, too.
0: <laughs> ah. uh, there, is, there is, I will say, though, uh, you know, this week's uh, Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, uh, spoilers for that if you're uh, a poor. Um, there's two bits at the beginning where Brian Quick uh forces broski to do basic math and it goes exactly how you'd think it would go uh and around the 42 43 minute mark uh they do take a shot at how bad zombie is at getting his figures out to people
1: yeah well I, I i do like how they uh i believe it was this week's episode or maybe last week's episode where they just read off all of the Cella <laughs> figures that were announced but have not yet been delivered That's this week's episode. Okay. And it's like, oh, man, can you believe a company would sign all this talent and not have figures in production yet? Like, as if Zombie doesn't have 40 people on roster yet, you know? Well, again, it it is right before they go through that list.
0: They just throw a slight thing at Zombie. They're like, oh, there's almost like zombie levels of bad, like, with the thing. But then, like, Broski pulls out a fucking binder and is showing, like, test shots of all these people who don't have figures yet,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I think uh, we've talked about it before. Enough of the retro stuff, but... Uh, right, the, bubble's,
0: so... the bubble's gonna burst soon, man, you know?
1: Yeah, it'll burst as soon as everybody gets their double J.
0: Well, and I was gonna say, you know, with uh, recent events, that double J figure, I'm sure fucking uh, Zombie's gonna find some extras laying around if he could flip them for double the price. Because <laughs> oh. Jeff Jarrett, yet again, is the hottest act in professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, and this actually that reminds me, speaking of like Jarrett and speaking of the majors, and I don't mean to bring this up in any kind of detrimental way, because I think it's actually smart business, but uh the, the Jarrett major bendies that were in that Conrad set that yeah, like they couldn't give those away. Like they were basically doing it like, oh, buy a Ric Flair bendy and get a free Jeff Jarrett type deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh I, I was like, ooh, as soon as the Jarrett news broke, obviously all the major social media stuff was promoting the Jarrett major bendies. So I clicked on it just to see if they raised the price. And they were looking for 35 bucks each for the Jarretts. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's higher than it was because I know they're just giving away the Conrad. Like the Conrad dropped to like 20 bucks a bunch of times. Uh, So I went on like wayback.com, which is the thing that shows you archived websites. So I was like, okay, what was it yesterday? And yesterday, the Jarrett Bendys were 30. And then after the uh, Jarrett re-debut on AEW, they went up to 35. I was like, all right, you know, get your bag too, you know. (laughs) It's the the power and the
0: influence of Double J. What can I tell you?
1: Yeah, Rising Tide raises all ships, right? Right. You know, Jarrett shows up, Major Bendys are more expensive. Yeah.
0: Um, Do you have anything else, Joe? Nope, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I purchased.
1: All right. So I have a couple purchases. Uh, I will say that every once in a while I would jump on Walmart's website in one of my, like, bookmarked tabs or pages, if you will, was for the aew supreme walmart exclusive cody Rhodes figure and last night just on a whim i happened to check the website and it said it was in stock and ready to ship so i added it to my cart and i was able to successfully check out and it said that it would arrive on saturday so i was like really pumped i was like oh that was pretty easy free shipping you know i'm a supreme completist you know i have all of them so far And after I checked out, and this is late last night, uh, after I checked out, I I looked to see, oh, I wonder if these are available at any stores. And my local Walmart didn't have any, but it actually said that the Pittston Walmart had them in stock. And you know how this is, like sometimes, you know, it says they have them in stock, but they're sitting in the back or inventory could be wrong. But I decided I'm going to, you know, tomorrow, meaning today, I'm going to just, make a quick run to Pitston and see if I could uh, grab one off a shelf and then I can, you know, pick out a nice one and then I'll just cancel the order I did online. Make sense? Yes. So I wake up today and, you know, I jump in the car and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, run to Pitston, and Pitston for me is like maybe 15 minutes away. You know, you jump on 81. Yeah. Yeah. And I jump on 81, I throw on the new episode of Longbox Heroes, and this is important for context, and get on 81 South, and I get near Dunmore, I know this is becoming real local, and all of a sudden hit a parking lot of traffic. So 81 is not moving, and I'm not talking about it's moving slow, it's basically you're parked. And uh, it's like there's no exits anywhere close. And, Joe, I'm stuck on traffic on 81 on my way to stupid Pittston Walmart. I listened to the entire episode of Longbox Heroes. Now, keep in mind, this is about a mile of traffic. I listened to the entire episode of Longbox Heroes and half of previewing the past before I was able to get off at the Central Scranton Expressway and oh get on the traffic. I'm, I'm
2: previewing
0: the past uh Patreon show, uh long patreon.com slash longbox heroes, those are
1: long. Those are like two plus three hours almost. Yeah, I was on that one little like I said, it was probably about an, uh, a mile and a half, two miles of traffic, uh probably close to two hours like two, two and a half hours. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to go to the bath really bad. Like I was debating, like jumping out of the car. I was like, can I get arrested? I mean, this is cruel and unusual punishment. Like if I run over to the woods there, like obviously my car's not going anywhere. Cause we haven't moved in like 15 minutes. I was like, Oh God, a cop cop should let me get away with this. Right. <laughs> but anyways, it was a miserable experience. Plus I realized when I was leaving my house, I was like five minutes away from my house. I was like, Oh, man, I forgot to put my contacts in. It's okay. I'm going to be there and back in like 45 minutes. It's not a big deal. Uh, But no, fast forward like three hours later on the round trip. I'm like, I'm getting a headache from squinting because I can see well enough, but it like hurts. It was a miserable fucking trip. But I got to the Pittston Walmart and they did have the Cody's there. And so I bought one and I canceled my order online. So there you go. But that was my miserable fucking trip to uh, the pits in Walmart. Don't recommend it. All right. But my last purchase, Joe. Uh, as as we mentioned before, I tried to enable Todd to buy a Jonah Hex uh, prototype figure. I'm sure, it's a Jonah Hex. I thought it was a Ghost Rider. Well, it, the listing says Ghost Rider, but it's actually a Jonah Hex figure. Huh. But uh, that seems that seems trustworthy. I would give that person my money. Well, again, if you you don't know how to do the research and look into what you're purchasing, I guess that's that's fine. But, you know, many a time professional figure bu- buyers uh, will capitalize on somebody mislabeling their item that they have for sale. Uh, I'm sure Fig Daddy Cool would probably tell you that if he was, you know, a real fig collector. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, Joe, speaking of being a professional fig collector, one of the things that you do, obviously, is you use eBay save searches, correct? Yeah. And sometimes you have to cast a pretty wide net in order to to get some elusive things. And if you remember uh probably like 6 months ago, I had purchased my first uh Azrael prototype and it was like one of those Kenner figures, like the Legends of Batman figures. And- yeah, yeah it was like that all red figure and it, it was all right. It was a cool test shot. Like it was my first ever Azrael test shot. It was something that I can go and say, Hey, I'm the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting because unlike some dude in a major Facebook group that just has a shelf full of dusty Lucy's, I actually have a nice Azrael figure collection, you know, full of mint on card stuff and I'm not missing anything. And Hey, I got this prototype, so it's cool. But I decided, I was like, I should probably set a bunch of eBay save searches uh, to see if any more pop up on eBay. So, you know, I type in like Asriel test shot, Asriel prototype, Nightfall, blah, 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 Night Quest, Night's End. I'm like, let me get all of the things. So, just in case something gets posted. And six months later, you know, we go six months, there's been nothing. I check my eBay save search, though, a couple nights ago, and Joe. I found something. Something came off on the list. And I'm going to actually grab my phone, and I found an Azrael test shot, and it is quite possibly one of the nicest uh, test shots uh, I've ever seen, because unlike the previous uh, test shot that I had that was very incomplete because it was missing a lot of the accessories, uh, this is a figure that is kind of like all one piece, so it's not missing anything, and it'll make sense when you see the pictures, but this is, uh, and again, it's hard to just explain in an okay. audio podcast. But you can see that it's all there; it's just not painted. Uh, yeah,
0: like gonna... it's it's two it's well, it's, let's say two different colors. It's red and black, and then it has like those like uh, yellow translucent bits
1: on there. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to send you a picture next to the final version of it. But Joe, this popped up in my eBay save search, and. It was buy it now, no best offer, but just buy it now with free shipping, all right? And obviously, knowing me, very few dollar amounts would have dissuaded me from buying this, you know? Right, well, like,
0: again, I'm just, you're the as, you're the Michael Jordan
1: of Asriel figure collect or Asriel collecting, period. Yes. Um, Joe, do you want to take a guess of what this costs, buy it now? So I'm going to guess mislabeling stuff. Maybe this person. This one was properly labeled. This uh, came up as like DC superheroes, Azrael prototype test shot. So it hit all the, the, like the bells and whistles.
0: Right. I can only imagine you and two other guys are looking for this. (laughs) I I can't imagine there was a lot of demand for something like this. I'm going to say 50 bucks.
1: It was actually 30 bucks shipped. Woo! Like, that that figure mint on card is like an $80 figure. <laughs> you know, so it's like the prototype slash test shot. Uh, they, I mean, like I said, unlike most test shots, it actually looks cool on the shelf. It doesn't look like, you know, just this unpainted mess. Right. Uh, I was very happy to get that, Joe. You know, because obviously uh prototypes test shots whatever they don't show up every day and when they do you have to jump on them you know
0: right now you didn't pull that net in just in case there's more out there right
1: oh no i left that net up there joe because once i got that i made that successful purchase i made the tweet i said i found something you know that was like uh you know, Azrael related or whatever. And I, I made the tweet saying Michael Jordan, hashtag Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting. A few minutes after that, I said to myself, maybe the, the net isn't wide enough, Joe. Because what do people accidentally refer to Azrael as all the time? The worst Batman ever. Well, you got one word right in there, and that was Batman. Okay. So I just searched Batman prototype. Batman prototype test shot and obviously tons and tons and tons of stuff comes up but joe if you look hard enough you'll find an Azrael batman in there and i bought a second goddamn <laughs> asriel prototype this week <laughs> and i just sent it to you and this one is an unpainted more of a rougher looking one sure uh, this is based on this is also from the dc superheroes line um, but this is based on like the Knights End Batman, which is like the fully armored with like the Gatling guns and all that stuff, like the totally Spectroxed out Azrael. Uh and this one came from China, uh unlike the other one that came from the US. Uh, but I did my like research on it, looked it up and down. It you know, it passes my legit test. Uh this one was a little bit more expensive than 30 bucks. But again, if you're the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting, uh, you can't let something silly like price get in the way. Uh, and uh, this one isn't here yet, but uh, it's on its way. It should be here in about a week.
0: So I guess the question I have is how many Azrael prototypes are we up to now? I currently have three. Okay. Um, so, you know what? Obviously, the hope would be. To get a prototype test shot, whatever for each of the figures that you have,
1: that that would obviously be the that would be the the pie in the sky goal. Yes,
0: right. Um, is
1: that even an
0: option that could
1: happen? Uh, I mean, conceivably, sure. I mean, I, at this point, I, I have two different prototypes from. DC Direct, like back when DC used to make their own figures, so yeah. we know that those prototypes exist. I have a Kenner prototype, and here's the thing: like if you say like one for every figure, some of the t- some of these molds have been repainted. So, like for example, uh, that that first one I sent you, the one where it's like classic Azrael costume, that figure was released as a standalone and then had a slight repaint in a two pack. Okay, so like. Technically, that one prototype covers two different Azrael figures. If that makes sense, yes, it does. You know, like, do I need two different prototypes for those two? Well, that's probably unrealistic, right? Uh, because two don't probably exist, right? Yeah. Um, and I know, like, there's a lot of McFarlane multiverse Azrael figures that came over the last three years, and I know that there are McFarlane prototypes out there in test shots. So is it possible to get a test shot for every Azrael figure I have, you know, or at least every mold uh, it's possible. And I'm going to look for it. And unless somebody goes and puts one up for sale for like a thousand bucks where I'm not going to touch it, but if they're all like, I don't know, 300 bucks or less, I'm going to buy every one of them I find. Sure. You know, cause that's what I collect. Now I've reached the physical end of like actual available in stores figures for him. So it's like I need to to get more uh, more drastic. I'm like I'm like Jake the Snake in uh, Beyond the Mat. You know, one wasn't enough, and so I had to have two, and then two and a friend, and two with toys. <laughs> you know, like I need to keep getting this collection more and more uh, obscene.
0: So I say um, again, I don't know what your situation is, but uh, I say buy that Ghost Rider prototype for Todd as a Christmas gift and enable him that way
1: (laughs) well we did have a long discussion and again go listen to that episode of porch talk like i tried to explain to him i was like listen how many jonah hex figures exist and he's like oh three or four and i'm like all right so there's like not a ton of jonah hex figures out there and i was like would you say that this figure that this prototype went on to make is like is it the best Jonah Hex figure or one of the best? He's like, oh, it's probably like one of the two best. I'm like, all right. And it's not like there's going to be a million Jonah Hex figures down the road. He's not exactly somebody marketable based on him wearing a Confederate outfit, you know? So right. I was trying to explain to him. I was like, all right, listen, the rarity of this, the price of it, the fact that like if you're going to be a completest of a character, why wouldn't you just want that? And he's like, well, it's like a loose figure. I was like, yeah, but it's like you collect original art. This is the original art in the fig world. You know, I was trying to use that spin and he's like, well, no, if anything, this is like a rough sketch. I was like, okay, whatever. It's still, it's like this thing that went on to create the final version, you know? And I was trying to explain to him, like, that's what a prototype is to figures, just like original art is to comics. But I couldn't budge him. And then then he was like, oh, "It's $120." I'm like, "Oh, Mr., I don't bar- I don't haggle at a toy store." <laughs> you know? But uh I don't know. I think he should buy it because like it's really cool, but I was uh, unable to budge him.
0: Uh, I, I think you should buy it for him as a gift and enable him that way but I, I'm so I'm with Todd on this one as someone who you know dabbles in uh, doll collecting mm-hmm. uh, like Todd does uh, he does not have a huge collection of dolls and to get him a prototype for something that he probably doesn't display the same way that you uh, you do probably in his mind it's like well if I get this prototype, Then I need to get the figure if I don't already have it. And then I got to get a way to display the figure alongside the prototype. And I think it's more the too much work aspect for Todd. If I, if I was him, you know, I will say he does have
1: that figure. And he was thinking about when this came up in a previous discussion, he was thinking about buying a second of that figure to open and display. Right. So, like, right there, he's already thinking of having a loose figure displayed next to a mint-on-card figure somewhere. And, like, why wouldn't you want to display a prototype? I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like I'm trying. speaking – the whole concept of not wanting to buy a ridiculously expensive toy doesn't make any sense to me. You know? (laughs) Like, you regular people. You know? Right. But. uh, Maybe Fig Daddy Cool will buy it. I hear he's, like, a real big mover and shaker in the toy world. Right, I think if you can
0: convince Fig Daddy
1: Cool to convince Todd,
0: I think then you're on to something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that might do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's it for me, Joe. Just ho-hum, just, like, two one-of-one prototypes this week. No big yeah, deal. that's all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, well, listen, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening this week. Uh, this was episode 214 of Adults with Wrestling. Uh, I'm going to Rampage uh, yeah. Friday.
1: Yeah, have uh, fun. Be safe.
0: Yeah, shout out to the uh, Scotty Pippen of uh, Azrael Collecting for hooking me up with this. Nice. Tell and uh, yeah, ends up being like a, a good show on paper with that Orange Cassidy Shibata match. Yeah, two of my all time favorites. Right, right. Um, for sure. And, uh, you know, we're, we're making the trip. Me, Brett, and DJ are going out. Uh, Brett, who's still incapacitated. Uh, love Shibata so much, he's like, I'm going to take the pain to go see (laughs) Shibata wrestle live in the United States. Hell yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Have a good
1: time, and get well, Brett, and everybody have a good time. Yep, absolutely. So again, just... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, do some fig hunting on your way.
0: Ah, we have time. I don't know how that's going to work out, though, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, But again, thanks everyone for listening. Be safe out there, and enjoy some wrestling.